Welcome back to Tapping This Week. I am Deborah Dondelinger, and today we're talking and tapping about the things we do when we're stressed. So there are five things that I notice that we do, I do, other people do when we're stressed. And this is when we're acting, we sort of act out of character for ourselves. And we actually might be wondering, who the heck am I? Because this is not my normal state. And the five things I've noticed that we do are, first thing is that we assume the worst. We assume that the situation is that is happening right now is going to stay the same. We assume that other people's intentions are bad. And we sort of have a negative slant to how we're interpreting the events around us. There's a re- somebody I follow on Facebook. She's an unschooling mom who also does a lot of work around neurodiversity and trauma. And she said people who come from a traumatized background tend to see a negative intent when there's actually a neutral intent. And I was thinking about that and that regardless of our background, when we're stressed and feeling under-resourced, we can sort of assume negative intent when there isn't any. So that's the first thing, we assume the worst. The second thing is that we lash out, we overreact, we try to change our external circumstances because we feel trapped. It's like we have this intolerable cognitive dissonance and we must resolve it. We have this tension inside our bodies and we have to fix it by going outward and changing the circumstances. But others of us do the exact opposite. And actually, we can do both of these. Some of us withdraw. We just give up. We don't interact anymore. We go into our own world, our own bubble, and we get lost in our ruminations and our ideas. And we, we just think we have no power. And in fact, both of those lashing out and withdrawing are a state of thinking that we don't have power to change what's happening. And it's our attempt to try to enact change. The other thing we do when we're stressed and we overreact is we get myopic, we get short-sighted, we get tunnel vision. We don't notice there are other options. We think there's just one option and we're assuming the worst. So we think the one option is like the worst possible outcome. So our vision gets more narrow, our, pers- our thinking gets more narrow, our perspectives and our idea of possibilities gets narrowed. And the last thing we do when we're stressed is we disconnect. We disconnect from ourselves and we disconnect from other people. Peter Levine taught in his trauma work talks about, you know, you have the fight or flight response, but that a healthy and a human response to trauma, to a traumatic situation is to connect. When my son had surgery and was going in and out of anesthesia, I was there in the operating room connecting with him. Because the connecting as you come in and out of the anesthesia, as you go under as you're coming out, is a way to help calm the response. So connecting is a very healthy and resourceful way to deal with things that are difficult. But when we're stressed and overreacting, many people's first response is to disconnect. We stop paying attention to our own intuition, and we also stop paying attention to other people. So do you recognize any of these responses in yourself? What do you do when you're stressed and you're acting out of character for yourself? Some of you know that I'm studying with Personality Hacker and I'm getting certified in their personality profiling system. And they, of course, work with the Myers-Briggs system and their 16 types. But one of the things that Antonio Dodge talks about in Joel, um, I don't know his last name right now, Joel, okay, her partner, is that there are different distress responses based on your type. 
So if you know your Myers-Briggs type, check out and look at stress response for your type and see if you get any insights. For myself, I know, I'm learning, that I I, I do get quick-tempered and I want to take immediate action to fix what feels like the problem. And what's helpful for me is actually to pause and notice how I'm feeling and notice where I'm feeling vulnerable. So let's do some tapping around what we do when we're stressed. I'm going to cover, you know, a couple of these different things that we talked about. And um, let's see what happens. So we're not really trying to fix anything, but wouldn't it be great if we could become less reactive and more centered when we encounter stress? Wouldn't it be great if we become more emotionally resilient, more flexible, more resilient the best word, so that we encounter something that is uncomfortable or not how we like, we don't crack, we don't get brittle, but we sort of let it bounce off of us. We keep our center, we keep our shape, and we notice what's happening, but we don't let it pierce us to the core. So that's what my goal is here with today and all the work that I do with people is how can we become more emotionally resilient? so that we stay centered when bad things happen and we don't just collapse into this place of fear. And if you do collapse, it's really okay. I don't want anybody to feel like I'm judging or shaming you. Bad stuff happens and it can throw us off and that's really okay. This is more talking about stresses that happen in our day-to-day lives or our our weeks and our months, not like the major life-shattering changes that can really throw us for a loop. Those are a whole nother type of stress response that I'm not talking about here. Okay, we're tapping. We're on the side of the hand. If you're new to tapping, make sure you know what the points are, please. Uh, Don't just listen. I want you to tap along with me. The physical act of tapping, especially if you're new to it, changes your body's response to things. Once you've been tapping for a while, some of us can actually imagine the points being tapped. But if you're new to tapping, I need you to have the physical experience of tapping on these acupressure points on your body that help change your relationship to the words and the memories and the thoughts. And they actually um, can affect your nervous system and how you respond to stress. Okay, on the side of the hand. Even though I overreact when I get stressed. And repeat after me out loud, please. And when I think about it, I'm actually a little bit embarrassed at how quickly I overreact. I deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Even though I overreact when I get stressed. I just want to lash out and fix whatever's in my way. I deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Even though I overreact when I get stressed. Doesn't everybody overreact when they get stressed? Maybe not. I deeply and completely accept myself and the way I handle stress. Moving through the points, I begin with the eyebrow. I overreact when I get stressed. I lash out at the world. I get short-tempered. I get impatient. Now we're on the chin point. You've been following along with the points. I overreact. 
I just want the problem to go away. I have such a quick response, it doesn't even register what I'm doing. I overreact when I feel stressed. Stop there, gentle breath, relax your hands. And see if you notice whether a new thought or insight has shown up for you. What's occurred to me is that it's not that when I feel stressed, it's when I feel attacked that I want to react back. So it's like some some personal freedom or personal value has been attacked and I must defend it. So side of the hand. Even though I feel attacked and I will defend myself, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I notice that I feel attacked, like my freedom and my values are at stake, I deeply and completely accept myself. Even though I overreact, when I feel like I'm being constrained or judged, I deeply and completely accept myself. Moving through the points, I'm on the eyebrow, feeling attacked, side of the eye, feeling restricted, under the eye, feeling invisible, under the nose, feeling attacked, chin point, feeling defensive, collarbone, feeling attacked. Let's add in the liver point. We don't always use it. Um, The liver point is along the crease of the breast. If you're female, um, the bottom of the breast, dead center. Men will just be a couple of inches below the nipple. So tapping or rubbing there. It's called the anger point sometimes. You might find a sore little nymph node. Yeah, feeling attacked. Under the arm. Noticing how quickly I defend myself. Top of the head. Feeling attacked. Okay, stop there. Nice breath. So that's one aspect of feeling stressed. As we feel attacked, we have to defend ourselves. Might be that our sense of values or freedom or action or identity has been challenged. Another aspect that I've already mentioned is that we withdraw because we feel like we are powerless over the situation. We give up. It's too much. It's going to stay like this. There are no solutions and we just feel stuck. This is a more subtle kind of stress. The side of the hand. Even though I think this is going to last forever. And there's nothing I can do about it. I deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Even though I don't see any solutions to this problem. I feel stuck and stressed. I deeply and completely accept myself anyway. Even though I feel stranded. And there's no way forward. I deeply and completely accept myself anyway. I feel stuck. 
I'm going to be here forever. This will never change. I feel so stuck. I don't see any options. I don't see a way out. So I'm giving up. Feeling sad. I don't like giving up. But I don't know what else to do. I don't see other options. I don't know what else to do here. I'm giving up. (sighs) Finish up through the points. Another gentle breath. Hmm. And just notice how you feel now, whether you feel calmer, uh, more compassionate for yourself. Starting to realize and notice how myopic you do get when you're stressed and that there are other potentials. A couple of practical approaches after you've done some tapping when you're in a stressful situation. A couple of writing prompts, I guess I should say, is you can say, what am I assuming here? And then are there three other things I could assume instead? So what am I assuming here? And then there's three other things that you could assume instead. The second writing prompt is what am I afraid of? What do I think is going to happen? And write them out. So, for example, we're going on a big RV trip in the summer and we're taking our dog and our cat. It's going to be a little bit stressful. And I'm worried about when we have to leave our dog for like six hours during the day. It'll be like in a shaded spot with air conditioning. But I'm concerned about like, will she bark? And she's been RVing before with us. And I'm sort of stressed. I'm like, okay, we can't go on this trip. And I was thinking about what is it exactly that I'm worried about? And I'm worried that um, she'll bark during the day and we'll get kicked out of the campground. And my response to that is like, oh, that would be absolutely horrible. But it actually isn't that big of a deal. And we probably wouldn't get kicked out. We'd be warned. And she probably won't bark because she tends not to bark unless somebody gets too close to the unit. And that's actually an okay reason to bark. So I have this exaggerated response, like it's going to be really bad. And then as I start to like lay it out, what actually do I think is going to happen I can see that it's not as big of a deal as I thought. So my nervous system tends to exaggerate things and their consequences because I have had enough situations where big things happened that I wasn't ready for, big, big, bad things. And so I'm still, even despite, you know, I've been tapping since 2006 and I still have a slightly exaggerated negative response to things that feel out of my control especially if it involves other people being mad at me. So the second writing prompt is, what's the worst thing that can happen? How, how possible is it? And what, what can, I, can I live with it or can I mitigate it? The third writing prompt is, who can I reach out to to help me with this? We tend to disconnect and we also have only one way of interacting with the world. But if we interact with people who have different personality types, they can bring a groundedness or a compassion or a perspective that gives us ideas we've never thought about. So again, just listing three things 
uh, three people that might help us gives us options and get us, gets us out of that, that tunnel vision. My mother lives in Spain and I, she, she's, her health is okay. Um, she's not on her deathbed at all, but I'm sort of obsessed with the fact that I have no idea how to handle things and her affairs when she dies. I, I can't even imagine going to Spain and, and dealing with the paperwork and her, like it just, I just get completely stuck. So I was texting with another mom who is a very practical and just gets things done. I'm like, Hey Fran, when my mom dies, will you come to Spain with me and help me? Cause she, she knows how to make things happen on a, on a very practical level. She's like, yeah, I'll come, you know, <laughs> like it won't be very good circumstances, but yeah, I'll come. And I just felt so much better. Like just because I don't know how to handle it, is there a way that I could ask for help? So the things that we're stressing about, either short-term or long-term, once we do some tapping, we can then get into our logical brainstorming phase and look at what, are the, what, what do I think is going to happen here and how likely is it? So use our thinking process to, to look for some solutions once we've handled the stress of the situation. Okay, the things we do when we're stressed. Be nice to yourself. Understand that you're going to act differently than you normally are. Look at how can you reduce this, um, your threshold for stress. And tapping is definitely your, your friend either in the moment or preventively as a daily self-care routine so that you don't overreact, that you're not quite at your edge, you're not quite burning the candle on both ends. Okay, hope this makes sense. Um, hope it's helpful. And until next time, keep on tapping. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.